As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Well met, fellow adventurers. We are back with Sir Croakington, and we're in the village of Sevenhorn, high in the foothills of the southern spur, of a southern spur of the mighty Fedwin Range. The village of Sevenhorn stands as one of the furthest outlying human settlements in all of the southwestern corner of the kingdom. Surrounding the village are seven towering pinnacles of stone, from which Sevenhorn long ago took its name. Local legend says that the jagged and pointed obelisks are the teeth of an ancient dragon that was petrified on this very spot while battling a master wizard in the shadows of some elder age. Through a small and largely isolated community, The people of Sevenhorn are friendly and always eager to receive visitors who bear news from the wider realms. I've got some of that. So let's go visit Red Galt's Inn and Tavern. It is Red Galt himself who greets you jovially as you step into the common room of the inn and tavern that proudly bears his name. The bald, bearded man whose sizeable midsection high Hides behind a grimy apron, welcomes you and asks if there's anything he can provide for you. A surprisingly large number of patrons mill about the common room, most huddling before the warm glow animating from the fireplace. Suddenly, before you can respond to Wedgold's inquiry, a commotion erupts from within the crowd standing just in front of you. A drunken man staggers out of the gathered patrons and stumbles into you. The brazen young man curses you and threatens to thrash you soundly if you ever dare get in his way again. So, I could pay him no mind, demand an apology, or teach the drunken, drunken bully a lesson. Yeah. You know, I can't, can't let him get away with that sort of behaviour. But I don't, I don't, he's not quite reached getting a thrashing level yet. So I'll pick the, pick the middle option. I offer my humblest apologies, snarls the drunken man. I wouldn't want to ever do anything to offend whatever of your good bearing. The man turns and appears ready to walk away, when suddenly he spins round and savagely swipes down at you with a stout wooden cudgel. Picking a number, bonus of 17, all from agility. Gotta get 50 or more, 
get squashed a little bit. Just a little bit, because I'm very tough. Pick it out. 24, failure. Oh, that's nuts. The cludgel smashes into your back, bucking your knees and causing you to momentarily see stars. You quickly shake off the staggering effects of the cowardly attack and are preparing to counter when three cludgel-wielding men suddenly burst out of the crowd of patrons and angrily confront you. Each of the men bear an uncanny physical resemblance to the drunken man who now stands behind them. You ought not to cross a stranger, grumbles the foremost of the men. Before you can respond, a sneering trio dashes at you, swiping out wildly with their clutches. Well, I kind of wanted to fight you, so it really, really just, just saves me a lot of bother if you start fighting me first. So I guess, thank you for giving me an excuse to kick your ass. Begin combat. Now, it's only a par bar fight, so it's subdue. It's not to the death. They might think it's to the death, because it's not engaging non-lethal combat, it's subdue. Because if we're both not trying to kill each other, it would be engaging non-lethal combat. So I think they might be trying to kill me, or maybe they're just not taking any particular effort to avoid fatal blows. But I am. Because hero and all that. The men swipe at you with their wooden cludgels. Alright, just take him on. And they are down they go. Pew! 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 Down they fall. The last of the three men staggers out of your range and regroups with his two cohorts. Together with the drunken man who initially confronted you, they leap out of the tavern with what's left of their humble prize. A cheer goes up from the gathered patrons and you find yourself showered with praise and met with more shoulder crosses than you can count. Yes, yes, and they, <laughs> they somehow figure out how to do it. I guess, I guess I'm famous enough that it's, everyone's figured out by now. As the din dies down, the crowd disperses the tavern keep comes up and offers you a frothing mug of the house brew, which you eagerly accept. Real bad lot there, says Redlock, Red Glot, shaping his head. Are you alright? Those were the cheery Markwell brothers. They have to search far and wide to find a fouler bunch than that. You do yourself a favour by keeping clear of them from now on. Nothing good will come from getting tangled up with them. You learn that the four brothers have long been an unpleasant feature in Sevenhorn, together with their father, Curthis Blackwell, a wealthy thirst raider. They live in stockade, stockaded camp north of town. No one dares go up that way, says Wedgott. Curthis is sweet enough, I suppose, but his sons are a dangerous lot. The old man does little to wane in their antics. They've torn up this womb in drunken fits more times than I care to remember. Redgold tells you that while, while the locals despise and fear their brothers, there are many who appreciate the generosity that an old man Curfus displays from time to time. He, outfit, he outfitted our militia and bought workhorses for all the farms, he says. 
That sort of did warn you a few loyal friends in these parts. Oh, yes. yes. They can get away with whatever they want. Because their daddy's rich. <laughs> when Gold has you sit in a chair next to the fire and provides you with a frothing mug of ale. I hope you won't think ill of our little den after our unpleasant business, he says apologetically. You're welcome here any time, my friend. Oh, oh I, if, if, I, if I were, if I, if I, if I, if I, go, if I didn't go into a pub just because people tried to kill me, I would be going into a lot less pubs. And who'd want that? Who would want that? That would be just, that'd be too high a price to pay for just avoiding some easy combat. You speak at length with Wedgold, and he fills you in on some of the recent happenings in and around Sevenhorn, which thankfully don't involve the Mark Royal clan. As you make ready to leave the tavern, gives you a final parting bit of advice. You mind my words now, he says in a cautionary tone. Stay away from the Mark Royals. You bid him farewell and make your way out of the tavern. And that also gets you 32 experience to general. Uh, I love her west because they've got a couple of hits in. Yeah, and now just just regular stuff going on in the tavern now. Who's here? Me and three other people. Alright, adventures for this location. The killing hand of winter. Winter grips the North Broadlands. No more harsh yet, no less cruel than any in recent memory. From the remote town, remote, remote mountain town of Skybend, there arrives a desperate plea for help. Clutched in the talons of a crust, trusted courier. Start the adventure. Here we go. The deep chill of midwinter afternoon finds you relaxing in front of the warring fire in the common room of Red Colts Inn and Tavern. Wed sits in a chair directly across from you, telling you tales of the adventures he had as a boy in the woods around the village. Your eyes are beginning to droop. The combined effect of the dryness of Wed's long-winded accounts and the intense heat from the fire. When the tavern door bursts open and a man clad in furs with a wild black mane of hair spilling off his head strides in. Oh, here we are now, frowns Red. Even the Markwell boys don't tangle with him. That's old Quiff. Quiff the Wanderer, I think some folk call him. Woodsman, if you follow me, but a real wild sort. I don't think he's ever taken to civilization, mind you. Well, I can get that, I can get that. A lot of people in civilization are jerks. The man who Red identified as Quiff turns to face you and quits you with a friendly wave. Are you Sir Crokington? he asks. Red suddenly turns to Quiff and snaps at him in angry, angry tone. Have you come in at last to purchase an owl? Is it just to steal more one from my fire? he barks. I haven't need for anyone not willing now and then to part with a piece of gold. The wild-haired woodsman seems to pay Red no mind, 
and walks up until we stand it before you. Might I have a word with you out of this place, Sir Crokington? He asks, looking you directly in the eye. Red sighs heavily and turns away from Quiff in apparent disgust. When you tire of this place, and its company, he says, casting a sideways glance at Red, you shall find me outside. It's a matter of urgency. Quiff turns and strides out the tavern. You do, you do best to forget all, all of what just happened, scoffs Red. Hmm, hmm, urgent. All right, what does divination say? Succeeded. Eight XP to divination. You since you since Quith is well intentioned, though he has a strong dislike for Red Gold, and May, with whom he's crossed past in Sevenhorn. You're certain he means you no harm or ill will. Well, let's just see what this is about. Follow after him. You follow Quiff outside and find him leaning up against the hitching post to the wide of the tavern's front door. Not an overly friendly place, is it? He laughs, rolling his eyes in the direction of Red Gold's establishment. I apologise for our abrupt introduction. I've heard word that you were in the village. I can think of no one better to present this to. Our love, I have a favour I'd very much like to ask of you. But only after you've had a look at this. The woodsman hands you a small, thin, wooden scroll case from one end of which extends a furled scrap of paper. You unfurl, you unfurl the small scrap of paper, fit it into the scroll case, and read from the dark script that dances elegantly across its surface. Frostheart and Skybend. Need like a root. Snowbound. We are dying. The sickness grows by the day. You place the tavern, the paper, back in the scroll case and hand it back to Quiff. Right, there's a couple of law book entries here. Let's read them. So you'll know what Sir Crokington already knows. And what I already know, because I've played this game about a dozen times. Frostheart. The deadly affliction known as Frostheart is something that seems to only affect those who spend prolonged periods... In extremely cold climates, frost heart begins as a mild cough and normally, normally results in a horrid and painful death within a couple of weeks. An icy chill in one's chest is a common symptom for anyone afflicted with this ailment, which gave rise to its name. And then Ligra root. This small... The small, this small black root of the Ligra plant is the only known cure for frost heart. Well, good, good, they have, they have a cure. That, that's convenient. Just gotta get it to them. Quiriff tells you the note was delivered by his trusted hawk, Liripur, who commonly carries messages to and from the remote outlying settlements high in the Fedorin foothills. Uripur returns yesterday afternoon with that unpleasant bit clutched in his talons, says Griff. The message was scrawled two days ago at the very latest. I've sent her back to Skybed with word I shall. Shortly follow her with enough Ligar lig Woot to, kill, to cure all the frost heart in these hills. I've no doubt they eagerly await my, my arrival. 
Quiff tells you that the false start that Wealthy Skybend will likely spread, and if not cured, will, will certainly kill everyone in the village if they remain snowbound. I cannot effectively I separate themselves from the afflicted. Yes, because social distancing, it it's effective if you actually do it. Not a hundred percent effective, of course, but I mean, when when you deal with diseases, you need every bit of help you can get. Unfortunately, the only help they can get for these people is well, us. So. We're gonna get there. The frost heart get its claws into them, and the killing hand of winter seals their doom, says Quiff honestly. Trapped in trapped in a festering den of sickness by snow. Seems a rather an unpleasant sort of end. Quiff shows you a leather satchel containing a large amount of ligra root. I guess he just knew that this stuff comes in handy, so he's been picking it as he goes, as he lives in the wild. Yeah, makes sense. Yep. Ask for your help in getting this to Skybend, he says. Of course, if this was an MMO, you'd probably get a quest to collect the Ligra root, which can probably, which, I don't know, can probably only be collected Collected from the digestive tract of slightly dire bears. Just slightly dire. Not to be not to be confused with the far more abundant dire bears. <laughs> yes, and have a drop weight of about one in twenty. Or something like that. But no, no, this one, that's boring. Yeah. We just got he's got the Lego with it already. I know of you, sir, Crokington, says Quith, and I know that among your many talents, you also possess the power of a healer. I have Ligro Root enough to save them, but having a healer on hand will certainly serve to lighten the burden. Quith pauses and eyes you carefully. Any journey in the wild is made more perilous when one goes it alone, he says, but I should at least reveal to you the most pressing reason I seek your companionship on this trek. Quith raises his white sleeve and reveals a deep red gash that runs along the entire length of the limb. The wound appears to have healed poorly. After several moments, he lowers his sleeve. Can I do anything about that? With the power of restoration? Gotta give it a shot, I guess. Nope. No, apparently it's one of it's a plot wound. It's been in, and you know you can't you can't just heal a plot wound. Otherwise, how would it do any plot if it just gets healed? You can't. It, it just there'd be no plot left. A tree stinger sliced my arm wide open with its, with its tail about six months ago. Happened in the mountains, just south of here. I've had very little use of the arm since then. And I doubt that I will again. Quiff tells you that since he can no longer effectively wield his axe, he fears he might fall prey to any number of dangers in the wild on the somewhat perilous trek to Skybend. Of course, 
He says, eyeing you closely. If you're along for the journey, the power would be that much less. From what I've heard tell, you're more than just, more than just fair in a fight to a Kogerson. What have you to say to it? Will you come with me to Skybend? I can give you only the promise of an adventure. Though I hope for an unsuccessful, uneventful sort of journey myself. With or without you, I must go. Without this woot, the ailing in Skybend will certainly perish by week's end. Okay, so I can accept the task. I mean, that theoretically... Theoretically, there's the option to refuse it, but... I don't think... I think the only people who took that are people who immediately quit without saving. So it never happened. So obviously I'm accepting the, ta- accepting the task. Quiff smiles and then meets you so- in a somewhat awkward shoulder cross using his left arm. Then we leave at first light tomorrow, he says. We've got to make the most of the daylight afforded to us in this bleak season. It's a hard day's journey if we're lucky. I pray we don't have to spend the night hold up somewhere in the frozen wild. You agree to meet Quith at dawn the next day at the tall, tallest of the stone obelisks outside the village. Here, take this and eat it, says Quith, heading you a small piece of Ligro root. The root will see to it that you will not acquire the fresh, the dreaded frost heart in Skybend. You accept the root and, pro- and promptly devour it. Oh, it's prevention too! Well, that's that's convenient. That's very convenient. Yes, yes. You do that. Not horse tranquilizer. That wouldn't work. Get some west and don't inject bleach. That wouldn't work either. Get some west, Sir Crokington. He calls after you turn and make your way back to the inn. You're going to need all the. You're going to need all your strength for what lies ahead. The first light of dawn as the frigid early morning sweeps through Sevenhorn. You meet Quith as agreed, the tallest of the stone obelisks just outside the village. The wild-haired woodsman greets you with a laugh and a slap on the shoulder. To Skybend, then, he cries, setting off at once along a worn track that leads west into the higher hills. You move along behind him, praying your journey will be swift and safe. And you arrive in time to prevent a tragedy in a remote mountain village. Less than an hour after leaving Sefton, the track you've been following runs out, and the two of you start off across the stony highlands towards the higher foothills of the Fedorin Range. Quith has outfitted you with a pair of snowshoes for the journey, and he tells you there will be deep snow to contend with at the higher elevations. He's quick to point out that he made the snowshoes himself. Well, that must have been quite tough. (laughs) Tiny little snowshoes. (laughs) For nearly two hours, you move across the high meadows and through thick belts of fir trees without interruption, until at last you reach the lip of a broad vale. Quirth halts at the edge of the lateral track, leading down into the vale carefully scours the snowy landscape far below. 
we can we can head through the vale. We'll move on and cross the high bog, he says. The vale is a wolf country. But it's the most direct route. Crossing the frozen bog is a more roundabout venture. But I've never seen a wolf on it. That I can tell you with all certainty. What shall it be, Sir Crokington? The very last thing we need on this endeavour is wild old Quiff making all the decisions. Now, I'm taking the direct route through the Vale because that's more rewarding mechanically. A lot more rewarding. Direct route. With Quiff leading the way, the two of you head into the Vale, alert for any sign of the infamous winter wolves that are known to prowl on its wooded slopes. A little over a mile into your trek, he happened upon the site of a recent kill, where the skeletal remains of a large deer lies at the edge of the forest. Curiously enough, not far from the remains of the deer, you spot a dark object lying atop the snow. You move over to examine the item, and discover it's a small leather pouch. Much to your surprise, the pouch contains 25 gold to tokens, and TWO ADVENTURER TOKENS! Very good, very good. And now we've passed 200, so we'll be able to buy a quick stone. No doubt someone whose luck went out near this very spot, remarks Quith, referring to the pouch you discovered. Certainly not a good idea to. A series of howls suddenly break out to your right, sending a chill the length of your spine. You spin your head in the direction of the haunting calls, calls and much dismay. Spot a large pack of winter wolves moving swiftly down the wooded slope in your direction. You count a dozen of the savage predators. Hunters found us, wins Quith. I recommend we keep moving. Try to keep it ahead of them. I've done it before. So... I heed Chris's advice and try to move away from them. Or hold your ground and make a stand against the wolves. Hmm. Now, if I fight them, they'll be focused on me. Or maybe they'll, or maybe, if I start fighting them, they'll realise, nope, nope, go for the weak ones. Go for the weak ones. And they'll focus on Chris. Hmm. You know what? Chris's been in the wild longer than I have. I'll take his advice. Realising you have no hope about wanting the wolves, the two of you attempt to manoeuvre yourself into terrain, for which the pack will have a difficult time pursuing you. Oh yeah, wolves. Faster than humans. And antoads. That's the problem. Oh, if only I had a big stick. Oh wait, I do. <laughs> Pick a random number. Bonus of 60. 34 from woodmanship, 10 from body, 10 from spirit, 6 from luck. Let's just see how this turns out. 91. Using the terrain to your advantage, you and Quith managed to move safely away from the wolves. After a lengthy pursuit, the vicious canine pack gives up the chase and moves off in search of easier prey. Perhaps good fortune shines upon us. Even the dead of winter, laughs Quith. Well, we were certainly lucky there. Well, luck was a part of it, but only six. It's mostly skill. And the player's luck. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. With no desire to linger here, the two of you set off at once, keeping a watchful eye for any more roving packs of winter wolves. The remainder of your trek through the snowy vale proceeds without incident. Both you and Quiff are relieved when, after a short climb of a boulder-strewn slope, you at last leave the prowling grounds of the winter wolves behind. Past the vale, you and Quiff traverse a high meadow, divided by a swift, frigid stream. After stepping over the stream and arriving on the western edge of the meadow, Quiff tells you there are two options from this point. We can cut through the evergreen wood, he says, pointing to the southwest, where you can barely make out a dark green line in the base, base, base of the next tier of foothills, or we can try our luck in the stony hills to the north and west. When you ask Quiff which route he suggested, thinks for a moment and then shrugs his shoulders. Either choice will save us much time, I'm afraid. It's either climbing over the backs of hills or pushing through some fairly dense forest. What do you think, Sir Crokington? Head. Well, well, okay. Last time, when Zoop did it, he went through the evergreen forest. You know, so so, pe- so you could hear all the options. Let's go through the stony hills. With Quiff leading the way, you trekked only a short distance into the stony hills when you spot a lone ogre moving across the back of a nearby wise heading east. The massive, fur-clad beast, at the carcass of a deer, is draped over his shoulder and carries a heavy spiked club. The ogre has not yet spotted you. Old Gabagrill, says Quith, he's the reason these hills are free of goblins. And free of people too, I suppose. He's best given a wide berth by all accounts. Quith tells you that once, several years ago, he stole, stole a peek into the ogre's lair and is certain he was not at home. This with great interest as Woodman tells you about the large wooden chest he stole therein. You should probably move on, he says. 
So I can investigate or just carry on. Well, you can't, you can't just 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 whap, just wave this prospect of a treasure chest in front of me and not expect me to investigate. Investigate Gabriel's lair. Keeping a considerable distance between yourself and Yoga. You and Quill follow Grangamo back to his cave, situated halfway up a steep, rocky hill. The ogre pauses at the mouth of the cave and drops the deer carcass before stepping into his lair, disappearing from view. I recommend we continue on at once, says Quiff. Little good can come from confront- confronting old Gargamel is a bold. If you choose to enter his cave, I will not go with you. Uh, well, that just means I don't have to share the treasure. Enter the cave. You step inside the cave and immediately find yourself confronted by the massive, fur-clad ogre. Gamgrel stands against the far wall of his lair about ten yards from you, his white hand tightly gripping his heavy spiked club. A low grumble echoes off the walls of the cave as the ogre takes a freshening step in your direction and then stops. The fearsome beast glares at you. As his nostrils flare. You sense that Gargamo is silently giving you an opportunity to leave his lair. So. This is a fateful decision. Inexplicably. You feel your destiny may in some way be linked to the choice you're about to make. And how, how what consequences will have it isn't in game yet. But it probably will be at some point. So. Anyway, I want to get the treasure. So I'm going to attack Gargamel. Gargamel bellows with rage. And lifts up his crude and heavy spiked club. As he stomps across the cave towards you. You boldly hold your ground. And prepare to engage the massive ogre. It's Gargamel. Sorry about this, but I want your treasure. Murder is the only option. Pity. He swipes it through with his spite club. Alright, there was a devastating blow. Another devastating blow for 35 damage. Otherwise, he's a 3 plus. Devastating blow for 32 damage. And he is slain. 40 XP. You step back from the bulky cores of the slain ogre and wipe the sweat from your brow with the back of your hand. Realising you cannot afford to waste any more time, you rush over and open the wooden chest. The bottom of the chest sits a black cloth pouch, a set of scale gauntlets and a matching pair of scale boots. You wonder if perhaps the items belong to someone else who dared enter Grunkle's lair. Much to your surprise, the black cloth pouch contains eight adventurer tokens. Yes, eight adventurer tokens. They're very effective at making you overlook any moral dilemma you're stuck in. Both the scale boots and scale gauntlets bear the mark of a master craftsman. So they'll, they'll sell for a pretty penny. 
And an ugly, or maybe an ugly penny. Anyway, they're both seven, they're seven Stanima point items. So if you did this early, there'd be your equipment. But if you did it later, they're just money. Satisfied you haven't overlooked anything, and eager to resume your mission, you leave the ogre's lair and return to Quiff. Quiff tells you he's glad to see you made it out of Gramgul's lair alive. When you tell him you killed the ogre, he seems saddened. I wish you'd left the old beast alone, he says curtly. Well, what's done cannot be undone. Let us speak no more of it. We still have much ground to cover. Without a further word on the matter, the two of you set once again set off through the stony hills. The trek through the remainder of the stony hills takes longer than either of you suspected, for the train grows progressively more rugged. Just when you feel as if you cannot bear the thought of mounting another, the rocky rises, the hills abruptly come to an end, and you find yourself at the edge of a gentle, rolling slope, slope that runs up to meet the feet of the mountains that, that tower majestically over them. Quiff seems to know these hills well, and together you cover a broad expanse of terrain that leads up into the lower portion of the Fedowinds. In the thick of the evergreen forest at the foot of the mountains, you happen upon a series of small, overgrown trails that ultimately lead to a broad track that climbs higher into the mountains. And here we are, says Chris, smiling. This one will take us to Skybend. Then, of course, take us back down again. Can't quite recall how far we are from this point. But I wager we'll be there by before dark. Quiff pauses and looks up at the clouded sky above the tops of the towering spruces and hemlocks. We best not tarry, he says. The sky speaks of snow. In these parts, the snow carries with it the worst of storms, then. Right. Well, then, off, off, we, off we are. Within an hour of Quiff's observance, the temperature put tepidly drops, and a howling storm sets in. The waging wind that accompanies the storm stirs the new-fallen snow back into the air, creating deadly, blizzard-like conditions. The storm progressively worsens, making it so you can barely see more than a few feet in any direction. Quiff begins to fear that two of you have strayed from the trail and tells you to stay put while he goes off in search of it. It's only after he's out of sight you realise the danger of separating. With the whipping wind wiping clear the tracks of his snowshoes almost as soon as they've been laid, you know you have little help but to patiently wait for his return. When, when nearly an hour passes with no further sign of Quiff, Realise you must immediately strike out and attempt to find shelter. Or certainly not survive the night. Now swiftly approaching. Picking a number. Bonus of 70. 34 from woodmanship. 6 from luck. 10 from mind. 10 from body. 10 from spirit. Pick now! 146. The killing hand of winter. Quiff's chilling words. Thought your thoughts. But on this night, you have gotten the best of the elements. 
In a hollow you carved out of the snow, and covered with evergreen brows, you manage to stave off the deadliest of the night's chill that sweeps down from above on the back of the storm's driving winds. Miraculously, you manage to survive the frigid ordeal. By early morning, the storm has ended. Your initial relief at having survived the storm is quickly tempered by the realisation you've not seen any sign of Quiff since the night before. Oh no, oh no, not Quiff. You search, you search for a considerable distance on either side of the trail, but find no sign of your missing companion. From deeply saddened, fearing he may have indeed succumbed to the storm, or worse, beside the only course of action is to press on at once for Skybend. We must save those that we can save. At least, if there's still time. And there should be. There, there should be. After checking over the equipment, you once again set off for the remote village, praying that if Quiff is indeed alive, he will find his way safely there. It's nearly midday when the track you're following suddenly cuts across a wide, steep slope of ice and stone, broken at regular intervals by small clumps of tall evergreens. You've made it nearly halfway across this dangerous portion of the trail, when, when suddenly a distant rumble reaches your ears. Turning your head to the left and gazing towards the top of the rise, you're horrified to discover a wall of stone, snow and ice thundering down the slope towards you. Your mind races as the deadly avalanche bears down on you. Okay. So, quite a few options here. Just attempt to escape the regular Deadly Avalanche regularly. Use fortification, woodmanship, telekinesis, elementalism, or gating. Mm, telekinesis. Succeeded. 16 XP to telekinesis. Calling upon your power telekinesis. You focus it on your icy ground at your feet and manage to levitate yourself several feet into the air, just high enough to avoid the surging wall of snow and ice that would most certainly have spelled your doom. Thankful to survive the avalanche, you, you step gingerly across the now motionless back of the snowslide and once again pick up the trail you hoped will lead to Skybend. You trekked along for only a few minutes when... Three thin trails of smoke suddenly rise into view above the towering evergreens that surround you. It's your first glimpse of the remote village. The wrath of the frost hearth of the stricken skybend is evident everywhere in the small village. Oh no, oh no. Hope no one's died because I took time to kill that ogre. The streets are deserted. A smoke pours from only a few of the many chimneys that jut up from the rooftops, rooftop, rooftops of the wood and stone buildings that make up the centre of the mountain settlements. It is one of the few buildings in which a fire burns that you meet Protector Fedwin, the grey-haired man who has long served as head of the village. It's against all odds that anyone received our message. He says, excitingly, meeting you on his shoulder. 
whilst the hawk returned here. So we knew there was hope. But we did not delude ourselves into thinking even Quith could arrive here in time. The toll has been great. Only a handful have perished, though almost three dozen are nearing their deaths. We, oh, oh no, a handful. How recent was it? Was it very recent? I mean, I mean, if, if I, if I hadn't gone after the ogre, I might have got, got here before nightfall. Oh, oh no, oh no. I don't know, even 8AT will erase the guilt of that. I think it will take like 10ATs to erase the guilt of that. You must tend to the young children first. They will not last much longer. He explained to Ferdinand that you and Quith became separated in last night's storm, and he was carrying all the Ligral root. At first, Federin's face drops, but when you reveal to him that you possess healing powers, he smiles. Ah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I have the healing. I have enough healing to do it on my own. He has enough Ligro root to do it on his own. So if either one of us got there, they'd be fine. If we'd split the Ligro root, if, if just he got there, they'd have to Make some very, very difficult choices indeed. Yeah, so actually, so I thought splitting the, the not splitting the like root, did at first in that sensible choice, but since I can I can heal without it, actually makes sense for him to keep it all. When, when he learns that you've already consumed sort of a Ligra root as a precaution, Federwin suggests you play, play a visit to the prayer hall where the sink are being kept. Hmm. Oh, wait, no, all the sick in one place. Yeah, that's, that's probably sensible. Because you probably don't have enough buildings for an entire house for each sick person. Because it's medieval times and in medievally times, you usually had a lot more people in each house. Protector Fredwin leads you to the prayer hall where the sick are being kept at rest. And you immediately set to work using your power of restoration to tend to the healing. The illness that has ravaged these villages melts away before the healing power of your touch, and almost immediately those previously stricken with Frostheart regain much of their strength and vitality. 1,024 experience to restoration. Those you have healed hail you as a saviour and throw yourselves at you in emotional outbursts of gratitude as you finish up the arduous task of winning Skybend. The deadly ailment that nearly brought about its ruin. When the last fear villager has been healed, you turn to make your way out of the prayer hall, only to walk straight into Quith as he steps into the low wood ability. Oh, and he he's alive too. That's oh, very good. Very good. Everybody lives except 
Gamma Girl. He died. But if I didn't screw that up, everybody would have lived. The wolves would have lived. Yagamo would have lived. Krith would have lived. The people of Skybend would have lived. I would have lived. But now we're just, just one short. Oh, okay, actually, a few died earlier, but I think that was before we could do anything. They're probably the very first cases. Or something like that. Or people who were really, really immunocompromised. Or something like that. The wide-headed woodsman slaps heartily and slaps you on, on the shoulder. Grin Grins, apparently amused by your startled expression, tells you he arrived in Skybend following your tracks. You don't think this is the first mountain storm I've met in these hills, do you? He laughs. I picked up your trail this morning and followed it here. Even through the ice slide, which by the looks of it came close to claiming you. Delighted I am to discover it did not. When Quiff discovers you already tended to the ailing, the powers of restoration, he's quite impressed. A fine showing at that, Sir Quokin, says Quith, in praise of your powers of restoration. Never believed you could cure Frostheart without like a root. I don't see it with my own eyes. Well done. Alas, your work on Skybend. Work in Skybend draws to a close. The villagers who were stricken with Frostheart are now rapidly on the mend. And those who have not yet contracted the sickness have, have taken measures with the Ligra root that Quiff, that Quiff brought to ensure they will not. Fudwin, the village protector, asks what can be done in exchange for your help, but both you and Quiff are quick to politely refuse him. You and Quiff spend the night stretched out beneath piles of sleeping furs before the hearth in Fedwin's small Fedwin's small stone house before drifting off to sleep. You both agree to set out at dawn tomorrow in hopes of returning to Sevenhorn before dusk. You and Quiff set out from Skybend at dawn's first light, eager to make a speedy and hopefully uneventful return to Sevenhorn. Quiff left behind the remainder of the livelihood he bought, saying it should be enough to see them through into the spring. Though he doubts they will likely have further need of it. Well, I guess he's got to start collecting some more. Because you never know when the next outbreak might happen. They might do other things too. As you start down the steep, rugged track leading away from the skybend, your thoughts turn turn to the fireside of Red Galt's Tavern. It's a sight of this frigid... Frigid wilderness has left you longing for. Your return journey to Sevenhorn provides largely uneventful, proves largely uneventful, though your wits and endurance are put to a test when you and Quiff lavishly evade, evade a large path, pa- pack of ravenous winter wolves not far outside Star- Skybend. I wonder, is that the same pack I evaded earlier? Could be, could be long last, you find yourself standing at one of the towering stone obelisks outside Sevenhorn, bidding farewell to a man you've come to know as a loyal companion and a trusted friend. 
I've not many friends in this world, says Quith, matter-of-factly. Yet I'm proud to say I count you among the few who have anything to do with me, said Crokington. Can't possibly thank you enough for your help. But I think somehow we've already received thanks enough. Well, your travels take you now, where they may, says Quith, turning to face the north. My old path... My own path leads me next to Old Hatch, a small village not far up that way. I have an understanding with one of the farmers there who lets me stay in his barn when I pass through. You ask Quith where we go after Old Hatch and he laughs. I'm not rightly sure of that myself, he says. I'll probably wander up north a ways, skirting the foothills and maybe make my way up to... Anorak, or Dolthrotten? There's always call for a woodsman in some measure or another, especially with the onset of winter. You take care of yourself, Sir Crokington. I'll look for you now now and then, when I'm back this way. Quith meets you in the shoulder cross, then promptly turns and departs, moving off. Along, moving off into the hills north of the village. As he leaves, your eyes are momentarily draw skyhood. Skyward, where far above a small dark dot circles against a pale grey ceiling of clouds. You watch for some time as the fur clad woodsman ambles through the snow on his snowshoes, for at last he passes over the back of a low rise and is lost from sight. In some, some ways, you find yourself envious of Quith, despite the eccentricity that others can seem to perceive him. You marvel at his unflappable spirit and his kind and gentle nature. Even in the face of the hardships that a life in the wild must continuously conjure up. Suddenly, the thought strikes you. You and Quith are perhaps, in many ways, more alike than not. As late afternoon swiftly begins to fade into dusk, you make your way back into the centre of Sevenhorn, and head straight to a red gaunt's inn and tavern, where the warmth of the fire and the frothing tankard of the house, house's finest ale await you. And that is the end of that adventure, with 1,024 experience to general, and 128 experience to all skills and powers. So I'll just rest up after that. Rest up, warm up. The new adventure is a wing, the Wing of Black Stones. The unexpected appearance of a familiar face in the village of Sevenhorn draws you into a perilous but necessary undertaking. But also, get get also next time. I'll be getting the Quick Stone, then rushing back here to do that adventure I just we just read. But until then, farewell fellow adventurers. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.